All right, people, I know you love each other. Let's go. We've we got places to go. Well, we're in Deuteronomy chapter 12. Also this evening, instead of our normal prayer meeting, we're going to have a missionary update. Um, that'll be directly after the service. But we have got so much word to go over. Um, I'm just so blessed. I know that we've had a lot of people I've spoken to this morning or this evening for this afternoon. Where am I? What day is this? <laughs> Who are just as tired as I am. Gone through the ringer. You're working hard. The world's burden is heavy, but the Lord's is light. And so it's such a blessing to be able to come and gather together with all of us and, and be in the word together. Let's pray and enter in. Lord, we thank you so much for your word. Thank you that it is never changing, always perfect, perfectly placed, perfectly timed, Lord. Pray that you would continue to speak to us as we travel chapter by chapter, verse by verse, through your word this evening in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're picking up with Deuteronomy. Moses is continuing to share with the nation of Israel on the opposite side of the, the, the Jordan, getting prepared to engage and go into the promised land. He's encouraging them over and over again by inspiration of the Holy Spirit to remember the Lord, to remember his statutes, remember where he's brought them, remember where they're going, remember um, why they're going there and, and what brought them here. And most importantly, even though the law is being repeated over and over, we're seeing the emphasis on the heart of the nation of Israel. The emphasis is the heart towards God. And with that as the backdrop, let's pick up in verses 1 through 4. These are the statutes and judgments which you shall be careful to observe in the, in the land which the Lord God of your fathers is giving you to possess all the days that you live on the earth. You shall utterly destroy all the places where the nations which you shall dispossess served their gods on the high mountains, on the hills, and under every green tree. And you shall destroy their altars, break their sacred pillars, and burn their wooden images with fire. You shall cut down the carved images of their gods and destroy their names from that place. You shall not worship the Lord your God with such things. As I read this, it just, it just dawned on me. Now, I'm not that smart, so I pray it's from the Lord. Why does the Lord even have to remind us to do this? Remember, Galatians tells us that the law is a schoolmaster that leads us to Christ. It, it reveals to us our brokenness, our sinful nature. But why does there have to be a warning to continue to follow after God, to not worship false idols? They're false idols. They're not the true and the living God. Who brought them here? Remember the previous 10 chapters. The Lord has been speaking through Moses and reminding them of the many miracles, the judgments, the power, the omnipotence, the omnipresence of God over and over again. And yet they have to be reminded when you go into the promised land, don't follow any of the pagan stuff. Anything that is not to do with me, don't fall for it. It's a trap. And don't worship anyone but me. I, th I just think that's crazy. But then I begin to apply it to us. And I think, man, what areas do we compromise with the world? Things that are pagan, things that are not of God, things that are a compromise. It's interesting to me, but it reveals to us human nature, our fallen self. Why do we have speed limits? Why do we have to have a speed limit? Why do we have to have laws that tell us that we can't murder each other? 
Why is it that we have to have police? And yes, we have to have police. We've seen that clearly in the last few years. We are sinful, broken, fallen people whose righteousness is filthy rags. And it's constantly revealed to us. And remember, Paul tells us this in the book of Romans, one of my all-time favorites, because I identify so clearly with it. That which I will to do, that I do not. And that which I will not to do, that I do. This wrestling between the flesh and the spirit. And it's so sad. We're going to talk about this a little bit more, but let's continue now in the text, verses 5 through 9. But you shall seek the place where the Lord your God chooses. Out of all your tribes to put his name for his dwelling place, and there you shall go. There you shall take your burnt offerings, your sacrifices, your tithes, your heath offerings of your hand, your vowed offerings, your free will offerings, and the firstborn of your herd and flocks. And there you shall eat before the Lord your God, and you shall rejoice in all which you have put your hand, you and your households in which the Lord your God has blessed you. You shall not at all do as we are doing here today, every man doing whatever is right in his own eyes. For as yet you have not come to the rest and the inheritance which the Lord your God has given you. So for Israel, at this time period, they are to worship God in one place and in the prescribed method that God has told them. There is no deviation, there is no turning, there is no other way. Now, as New Testament believers, this has radically changed in our Lord Jesus. If you remember John chapter 4, the Lord was speaking to the woman at the well, and he said, the days are coming in which it doesn't matter what hill, I'm loosely paraphrasing, the day, it will not matter what hill to worship on. He said that because she had asked him a question. We Samaritans say that you worship on this. You Jews say that you worship on that hill. Which one shall it be? And Jesus had told her, the days are coming when it won't matter. Unfortunately, though, in the age of grace, we've taken this to the extreme opposite. What do I mean by that? They have to be warned here and they have to be told, you do worship the way God wants to be worshipped. You worship him the way he wants to be worshipped. And because we have this freedom in Christ now in the New Testament to worship him wherever we please, that we ourselves are a tabernacle of the Holy Spirit, that he tabernacles with us. And it says in the book of Hebrews that we can come boldly to the throne of grace anywhere. By faith alone in Christ alone, filled with this Holy Spirit, we have access to him. We take it for granted. What does the church in America talk about? You know, getting the people in. And what do we talk about? What temperature does it need to be at for them to be in here? Is it 72 or 68? Don't bring it up at a board meeting. They'll have a fist fight. Do you have pews or do you have chairs? What kind of worship music? At what level do you get the worship music? Everything is based on the people in the seats. We're reminded here in Deuteronomy that worship is for God, not for the congregation. It's the congregation that comes before the Lord and worships him as he pleases. Because just as it is for the nation of Israel at that time, it is for us. He guides us. He protects us. He leads us. He ordains all things. He's all-powerful, all-knowing, omnipresent, omnipotent. He is outside of space and time, the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end, from everlasting to everlasting. And we have the audacity to come and tell him, this is the way we will worship you. 
We will worship you in this way. I'll read when I want. I'll pray when I want. I'll worship the certain songs that I want to worship you to. There's a bit of rebellion in us when we say, I don't like this song. I'm not going to sing it. Like you're the judge of the worship. Now, again, my words can be taken to an extreme. We are to do all things to the Lord. We're supposed to give our best. You know, we can't just uh, be out of, have an out-of-tune piano up here and just screech and just say, well, you guys all need to submit to it to worship God. No, the heart, the heart is what God is after. Deuteronomy is showing us that over and over again. And our heart needs to be submitted to God. Jesus said to follow him, we are to carry the cross, to die to ourselves and to follow him. How is that dying to ourselves when we are deciding how we choose to worship God and when to worship him? Now, that's, I praise God, he's given us that freedom in him. But we are not to take that freedom in him for granted. Now, here in Israel, we're going to see that the way that this worship is prescribed at this time is not only location-driven, it's also driven in the way they eat and the way that they live their lives and how they place the tabernacle. Eventually, that tabernacle is going to be put in the city of David in Jerusalem which will eventually will become the temple. And we see that every aspect of their life is going to be a submission to God and his plans and purposes. But let's continue a little bit more and we'll pick back up on that. Verses 10 through 14. But when you cross over the Jordan and dwell in the land which the Lord your God has given you to inherit, and he gives you rest from all your enemies round about so that you dwell in safety, Then there will be the place where the Lord your God chooses to make his name abide. There you shall bring all that I command you, your burnt offerings, your sacrifices, your tithes, the heave offerings of your hand, and all your choice offerings which you vow to the Lord. And you shall rejoice before the Lord your God, you and your sons and your daughters, your male and female servants, and the Levite who is within your gates, since he has no portion nor inheritance with you. Take heed to yourself that you do not offer your burnt offerings in every place that you see, but in the place which the Lord chooses, in one of your tribes, there you shall offer your burnt offerings, and there you shall do all that I command you. Now, remember, all these verses need to be put in their correct context, and what I call that, or as I've been taught by those that are much smarter than me, we always need to look at Scripture with 2020 vision. If you want to understand the context of any verse... Read the first 20 verses in front of it, the next 20 verses after it. You'll get a majority of the time, you'll get great context. Remember the previous section here in this chapter. When you go into the promised land, don't compromise with idols. Don't worship them. Don't take over their places of worship. Don't make sacrifices where they make sacrifices. Completely remove them, eradicate them then there will be a proscribed singular place that God will call you to. Eventually, as we said, it'll be Jerusalem. In Shiloh, in the time of the judges. And you go and you worship exactly this way. Don't compromise. Don't go to the left. Don't go to the right. Don't try and make it a little bit like that and a little bit like this. You need to do it the way he wants it done. Now, there's two angles I want to approach this. First, Lord, this is pretty select i mean really there's no variation you won't let us compromise a little bit i mean what about that hill over there that looks like a perfectly good hill over there 
And, it, and the ancient world at that time, buildings do not go to waste. They're handcrafted. Every stone is chiseled. Every piece of wood is chopped. They don't even have saws. They have to hand make everything. So when a building is built, you don't just go toss the thing to the side and create a new one. You're going to reuse it. But God is saying, no, you can't even do that. Don't even do it. Don't think about doing it. Don't. I'm going to have a special place for you to do that. Lord, that's not, there's not much variety in there. That's not very nice. What if we just spruce it up and we put your name on it? Is that okay? No, it's very clear here. Don't do it. So why then do we do that with our families? Why then do we do that with our churches? Why do we do that in compromising with the Lord? We want to use the, the world structures. We want to use the world's ideas. We want to use the world's way of leadership and family and government and, and church life even. And then we want to put Jesus' name on it like he's a mascot and then ask him to bless it. And God says, no, tear the whole thing down. It gets built up my way or no way at all. The word of God reigns supreme, and yet we compromise. And that's what I brought up earlier today when I said, why is these laws even there? They're there because we are going to break them. The speed limit, as we all know, is a suggestion. Have you ever gotten upset with someone because they're just going the speed limit? The Bible says in Romans 13 that the government has given the authority to tell us what the speed limit is. And I tell you now, if you're breaking the speed limit, I do it all the time, forgive me, Lord, that it is a sin. And I'm living in the age of grace, praise you, Lord. But it shows and it reveals our heart. Left to ourselves, we will slide to the world. We will slide to the sinful nature every time, every time. But the Lord says, come to me, come to me, come where I'm at. Listen to what I have to say. You'll be blessed. You'll grow. I'll lead you. I'll protect you. You go there, you're going to have famine. You're going to be destroyed. It's going to be terrible. Yeah, but Lord, it looks so fun. And there we go. And that's the second portion that I want to talk about. And that is when we follow after the Lord, when we obey him by our free will, because we choose to, not because we have to, ultimately comes joy. Ultimately comes life, the presence of life. He is life itself. He is the light of the world. He is the Logos. He is the creator of all things. And when we come into his presence and when we seek after him, we are filled with life. We are filled with wisdom. We are filled. Now, I'm not saying that your bank account is going to be full. I'm not saying that you're not going to get sick. I'm not saying that things aren't going to be difficult. One of the promises of God is that you will be persecuted. But the Bible promises us, as Paul said, whether I'm abased or whether I abound, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That means whether I'm suffering or whether I'm prosperous, it doesn't matter. I can do all things through Christ. The Bible tells us that what can separate us from the love of God? Nothing. There's a long list of stuff. Nothing. When we seek after God and we do things his way, ultimately, we find our purpose in life. 
But how does the world look at it? Oh, it's just a bunch of laws and religion, and you can't do this, and you can't do that, and you can't do this, and you can't do that. Well, let's look at it a child's perspective in my home. You can't play with fire. You can't go playing with the oven. You can't put fork in the electrical socket. You can't play outside in the street. You can't go outside in the dark. You can't play with weapons. You can't have the big boy knives because you're going to cut your fingers off. There's a lot of rules in my house. And that's just a small smidgen of them. Can't talk back to your parents. You have to do what you're told. You have to respond in a certain way and on and on and on. And you could say, man, that's a terrible household. What an awful household. So many rules. It must be a burden to live there. They don't understand that my house is filled with love and compassion and caring and sacrifice and ultimately joy. And the same thing is true of our Father and our relationship with Him. When we read Deuteronomy aside from understanding the love of God shed forth through His Son, it's like, man, that's a lot of rules. But when you live a little bit of life, you realize, why didn't I just do this God's way? Why didn't I just obey Him? Well, he's going to continue now. As I was hinting earlier, every aspect of life is addressed. Verses 15 through 28, a little bit of reading for us. However, you may slaughter and eat meat within all your gates, whatever your heart desires, according to the blessing of the Lord your God, which he has given you. The unclean and the clean may eat of it, of the gazelle and the deer alike. Only you shall not eat the blood. You shall pour it on the earth like water. You may not eat within your gates the tithe of your grain or your new wine or your oil or the firstborn of your herd or your flock or any of your offerings which you vow, of your freewill offerings or of the heave offering of your hand. But you must eat them before the Lord your God in the place which the Lord your God chooses. You and your son and your daughter, your male servant, your female servant, and the Levite who is within your gates. And you shall rejoice before the Lord your God in all to which you put your hands. Take heed to yourself that you do not forsake the Levite as long as you live in your land. Verse 20. When the Lord your God enlarges your border as he has promised you, and you say, let me eat meat because you long to eat meat, you may eat as much meat as your heart desires. Uh, If you live in a vegan household, you can go ahead and highlight that one. Just verse 21. I'm going to get some letters later. If the place where the Lord, verse 21, if the place where the Lord your God chooses to put his name is too far from you, then you may slaughter from your herd and from your flock, which the Lord has given you, just as I've commanded you. And you may eat within your gates as much as your heart desires. Just as the gazelle and the deer are eaten, so you may eat them. The unclean and the clean alike, you may eat them. Only be sure that you do not eat the blood, for the blood is the life. You may not eat the life with the meat. Excuse me, verse 24. You shall not eat it, you shall pour it out on the earth like water. You shall not eat it, that it may go well with you and your children after you. When you do what is right in the sight of the Lord, only the holy things which you have and your vowed offerings you shall take and go to the place which the Lord chooses. Verse 27, and you shall offer your burnt offerings, the meat and the blood on the altar of the Lord your God. (coughs) And the blood of your sacrifices shall be poured out on the altar of the Lord your God, and you shall eat the meat 
Observe and obey all these words which I command you, that it may go well with you and your children after you forever, when you do what is good and right in the sight of the Lord your God. The sacrifices of these different animals. It's a big portion of text, but I wanted to go through it all together as one section. But I do want us to look at verse 18. In verse 18 at the end, it says, You shall rejoice before the Lord your God in all to which you put your hands. We do all things as unto the Lord, the Bible tells us in the New Testament. All things as unto the Lord. And that's the whole portion of Scripture here that I want to address, is that we don't understand in context what this is like. When we want to go eat meat, we just go down to the grocery store, at least as of 2022 when this is being recorded. We can go down to the grocery store. We just pick that big slab, whatever one we pick. We just pick whatever one part that we want. We head to the house and we cook it up. If we're lazier than that, we could just go to the restaurant, snap our fingers, and here it comes on a plate. It's like $75 now. And you just get it. What they're talking about here, they raise these animals from infancy. They're given birth. They feed them every day. They protect them from wild animals. They put up fences. They watch them. They mature them. When they're sick, they nurse them. The shepherds, they go out and they protect them, and they go and put them to the different fields. And then once they finally reach the maturity, after spending all those days and nights and weeks and months having this animal, they're going to bring it to the tabernacle. They're going to bring it to the gates, and they're going to sacrifice it to God. And if it's a burnt offering, we know it's going to be fully consumed to God. But if it's just offered to God, they're going to cut it in a certain way to let all its blood out, and then now they're going to partake of it. And some of it's going to go to the priest. Notice they said, don't forget the Levites. A certain section of it's going to go to the church, to the tabernacle at that point, to the Levites who can't own their own property. What does this mean to us in New Testament believers? I mean, I could see it right now. You got your little kid with you. He's crying because you're taking Fluffy down to the tabernacle. What are you doing with Fluffy? Fluffy's going to go spend some time with the Lord. Don't ask any questions. You you should probably stay right there. You don't want to see this. Dad, I've been feeding Fluffy every day. Well, we're hungry, son. There's an emotional attachment. There's a life attachment to this. That's why we wanted to look at verse 18. Everything that we put to our hands is glorifying to God. God is a part of their very being, of their everyday life. They realize that all the work that they put into this animal is going to be given to God, and it's going to provide for the family. But somehow, we have saran-wrapped our relationship with God. What do I mean by that? You go down to get the T-bone steak, it's saran-wrapped. It's isolated. You don't see the work. You don't see the feeding. You don't want to see where the factories those things come from. Neither do I. I just enjoy it as meat offered unto idols. Don't ask any questions. And we bring it to our, our refrigerator. Well, some of us are doing the same thing with our relationship with God. We just come to the church. We get our saran-wrapped God message, and then we go home, and we don't think anything about it. That's not how our life with God is supposed to be. When you get up in the morning, when you work, when you are with your family, when you're teaching your family, what you're watching on TV, what's on your your phone, your conversations with other people, God should be an integral part of everything that you do. I still remember the sermon that I heard it, and I repeated it a lot. God should never be number one on your list. I go, you can't say that. That's my initial thought. I hope you thought the same thing. 
The pastor said, God cannot be number one on your list because he should be the center of everything on your list. From the top to the bottom, he should be the center of every single item. He's not a part of your list that you check off and you're done. In the nation of Israel at this time, from their feeding to their going to their sacrifices, their relationship with God, to their warring, to the location where they're going to worship is all prescribed. And whatever God says, that's what you do with your whole heart. What kind of Christians would we be if everything that the Bible told us to do, we just did it? We would change the world. The Holy Spirit working through us would change the world. But we got speed limits, y'all. We still divert. What happened to the nation of Israel when they crossed the Jordan? The Bible says clearly here, God told them when you, ent- when you enter the promised land and when you get rest because I deliver your enemies, they drifted because they didn't get rid of all the idols. They didn't get rid of all the high places. They didn't conquer all the people like they were told to do. They compromised. They didn't go all the way. Are you compromising this evening? Is there something the Lord's convicting you about? Where you say, man, I should be different in this area of my life. It's a small one for me, but it's also a big one. This is what the Lord's put in my heart. You know, we pray in my family before we eat, right? And and how are those prayers generally? Your house is probably much more spiritual than mine. But, you know, we get together as a family. We hold hands, and then we pray the fastest, shortest, sincere prayers. But I was thinking, man, if they have to take this animal and during its preparation and during its sacrifice and during its carving and then during its cooking and then the breaking of bread, the whole thing is consisting of the Lord. And I was thinking, man, maybe I should put my heart into this. With my families together and we pray, maybe I should, we should put our heart into this. Now, I don't want to be legalistic. The emphasis there. It's on, have I saran wrapped my Christianity in this area? Because there's no compromise in any area. Because what did Jesus say to be a disciple of his? To follow after him, he said, pick up your cross and follow after me. He didn't say pick up your crutch. He didn't say pick up your arm brace. You know what I mean by that? Give you a piece. I'm going to sacrifice a piece of me. No, he said pick up your cross. Your cross. Your whole body. In Hebrews, it's or Romans 12. To be a living sacrifice. A living sacrifice for God. Dedicate our whole life, every portion of it to him. But what do we do? Well, you know, Lord, I don't really like this worship song. Ah, you know what, Lord? I'm going to skip tonight. You know what, Lord? You know, I'm not feeling it. Make me feel it first. Then I really start serving you again. Pretentious. That's a fancy word for you just being prideful. A fancy word for pride. Who do you think you are in front of the Lord who's given his only begotten son so that you could have access so that you could have the freedom to approach him that way? And we say, wow, Lord, not me but you. I need less of me and I need more of you because I'm going to... I'm going to fail every time. Now, verses 29 through 32, chapter 12. When the Lord your God cuts off from you before, when the Lord your God cuts off from before you the nations which you go to dispossess, 
and you displace them and dwell in their land, take heed to yourself that you are not ensnared to follow them after they are destroyed from before you, and that you do not inquire after their gods, saying, How did these nations serve their gods? I also will do likewise. You shall not worship the Lord your God in that way. For every abomination to the Lord, which he hates, that they have done to their gods, for they burn even their sons and their daughters in the fire to their gods. Whatever I command you, be careful to observe it. You shall not add to it nor take away from it. What does it say there? Take heed to yourself that you are not ensnared to follow them. I love how timely the word of God is. I, we just teach verse by verse here. The pacing is based on my inadequacy as a teacher. And yet here we are speaking about them offering, the, the, the heathens, the pagans, offering their sons and daughters in the fires. Historically speaking, they're offering them in the fires of Molech to this false god. It is, before the medical science caught up to it, the ancient abortion technique. And yet here it is discussed in the world today. And what does the Bible say clearly about the fires of Morlech? It is a worship to their God. And these abortions that they are marching to go after, that they are screaming at us about, the murder of children, I believe I read the article correctly, 32 million children have been killed since 1976 in the United States of America. Their offerings, now I, I know this is hot, and with the graciousness of God on anyone that has ever been through this or experienced this. But the reason they want to keep abortions is so that they can continue to worship at the altar of sexual sin. That is the purpose of abortions. That they can freely engage in sexual immorality without bringing forth life. And every human being of every race, every background, every creed, and every age, and every generation is made in the image of God from conception. It's not an inconvenient truth. It is the absolute truth. And it doesn't have to be popular to be truth. Now, all of us are guilty of sin. All of us are guilty in this area. We're not going to point the finger at one people group or one person or at one sin because all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and all sin is punishable by death. But God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son not to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved. The key is that none of us would have a heart for God if it wasn't for his graciousness. And so we don't want to simply point the finger out. We want to point the finger in, and we want to say, what areas are we compromising with the, the world on? What areas are we compromising with false religions on? False ideas. What does the Bible say, and how do we apply the Bible to every aspect of our life? The same warning for Israel is the same warning for us today. Take heed to yourself that you are not ensnared to follow them. Take heed. It's a warning. Don't do it. Take heed to yourself that you are not ensnared to follow them. If you are, then God will liberate you. He will break the chains. 
Now let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word this evening. We pray that you would continue to teach us from your word. We pray that we would apply it to every aspect of our life. Less of us, more of you, Lord, as John the Baptist said. Have your way in us. Lord, if, you, if we come to you in pride, telling you how we're going to do things, just we thank you for your grace, Lord. We just thank you so much. And we pray that you would continue to convict us and lead us and mold us so that we would have a deeper relationship with you. We also lift up Pastor Zach as he comes up. Pray that you would bless him and lead him and Tyler as well, Lord, as they share about their trip. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, uh, this is extracurricular. I can guarantee you we're going to go long. So if you need to get out at 8 our normal time, freedom. God bless you. Enjoy it. Here's Zach and Tyler. How you guys doing this evening? Can you go to the first row, ten slide, please? Just under the prayer. It's off? All right, sounds good. Okay, so me and Zach had the blessed opportunity to go on a mission trip about a week and a half ago. It was entirely a blessing. I can't, I can't thank God enough for what he did down there in me and then what I saw him doing down there in uh, Roatan through, through David and Heather. Uh, please, next slide. So it's, in, it's off the northern coast of South America. It's a Roatan, Honduras. And their mission name or their ministry name would be Bread for the Bite. It's a play on words they call their neighborhoods down there where, where the locals are, Bites. So Bread for the Bite. And then uh, he also has a specific ministry in feeding nutrition-filled food to the kids down there because they have a diet that consists of only carbs, like they eat chips, or, because it's the cheapest thing and the and easiest thing available for them to eat. So that's one of their ministries down there. Next slide, please. Um, their community is called uh, Punta Caliente, so it means hot point. It's a hot point ministry. It's in Oak Ridge in uh, Roatan, Honduras. They have a focus on kids there. They started as only a kids ministry, but then it grew into David being a full-time pastor, and he has a whole worship team. They have services on Sunday. Wednesday, they have prayer and fasting in the morning, uh, 8 to 3. Friday is, is bread for the bite where they have a short service. Maybe the youth pastor will lead it, and then they, and they feed the community. And then they have Saturday youth with their youth pastor. David Granada and Heather Granada are in that picture right there. David used to be a carpenter, so he regularly helps out the community with projects. Uh, like when me and Zach were there, we, we, we helped a, a lady named Oneda fix her door because people were breaking in. It was, it was a nice thing to see. They, they also host and help short-term teams that come there with uh, medical, dental teams will come in there and, and help out the kids there. So next slide, please. On Sunday, they usually have about 50 to 75 local attendees. And then on Friday, they have 100 plus from, from, from around the community because they all come and they need, they need food. And it's usually rice and beans. We help pack some of that order there as well. And then as money permits, they have big, big projects like, like the same lady that we fixed her door. They, they actually made her house up from the ground up. Uh, I don't think we have any community pictures in here, but the neighborhood is, is full of water and waste because they don't have regular sewage or regular water that comes in. So, so really they just, they just go wherever they go, and then it's in their yards or, or in trashes everywhere. They don't have a regular trash system. So it's kind of on you if you want to get rid of your waste there. 
And then regularly, missionaries also come in and do classes and then medical clinics and then other missionary services as as much as money permits or as other people come in to help them. All right. And then Tyler. All right, so how can we help? Well, I'll, I'll start off just by saying that, uh, you know, a few weeks a few weeks ago, I got to go down to Peru also on behalf of the church here and check out another ministry that we support, uh, Calvary Bible Institute in Peru in Trujillo. And, uh, and in a few short weeks removed from that, uh, we're down there in Roatan, Honduras. And so I really got to see two pretty, pretty wildly uh, extremes um, in Honduras. Correction, in Peru, they're doing some great work where they're raising disciples. They're, you know, getting ready to plant churches. And... Um, the focus is on the discipleship ministry, and they're doing a great job. And I get down to uh, Roatan, and I got to see a completely different side of the mission field. And out there, it was there's a community, as he mentioned, in um, uh, Punta Caliente, where it's just a poor community. Uh, there's not a lot of um, there's just not there's not a lot of incentive. Uh, there's not a lot of uh, things to look forward to. The community kind of just they just kind of hang out in that area and so uh there's you know there's different things there's there's drugs down there there's uh prostitution down there and there's just a lot of uh, bad things that are naturally kind of part of their culture down there and so um david's ministry down there uh it it it's like a hospitality ministry or you know it's all about food and the gospel they want to they want to feed them and they want to bring the gospel to them so it's just kind of cool to see both sides of um the mission field. And so there's three ways that we can help. Uh, number one, prayer. Uh, number two, uh, the potential for future missions. And number three, through financial support. And so uh, go ahead and just talk about prayer for a second. So i read a quick scripture here, Ephesians 6, 18 to 19. It says here, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, watchful to this end, with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. And so it was awesome to be down there seeing how missionaries actually live their life. I mean, you know, they're, um, he's just down there helping. And, and David's, uh, he's got a lot of connections down there. He's been there for, he's been full-time on the mission field for I think about 10, eight or 10 years, I think about eight years. But he's been down there even before that for a handful of years. And so, He's very well uh, plugged into the community, and everywhere where we went, you know, everybody's like, oh, hey, Pastor Dave. And so he's kind of known as the guy who, he's just always there. He's always helping people out, and, and it was just really cool to see that. And uh, on top of that, you know, whenever he's helping people, he's always sure to, to bring Jesus Christ. You know, he wants to feed them the gospel just as much as he wants to go down there and feed them bread. So number one way you can help pray for them is you can help them is through prayer. And I put this as number one on purpose. It's the most important thing that we could do as a church body. If, um, if you have like a daily prayer list, uh, keep this in mind and go ahead and pray for them. The, the top three uh, needs, I believe, prayer needs that they have, is number one, uh, just their family, uh, Pastor David, his wife Heather, and their daughter Savannah. They also have, uh, I believe, two other children that are here in the States. Uh, you know, they're out on their own as adults. Um, number two, uh, the bread of life. So, hey, you know, he's down there. He's given them the gospel. So 
as Tyler mentioned it, I don't know if you guys caught this, but their big ministry started off, it was on Fridays, it was called the Bread for the Bite, and that's what this ministry as a whole is known for. But it started off on Fridays, they were just there to feed them, and it was, it was uh, to feed them the you know, bread, but also to feed them you know, an evangelical message, uh, teach them the gospel. Um, and so that kind of started out as their the main part of their ministry, and it still is, but it's grown from that, and they grew to eventually having a church building, and now they have church services. They have services every Sunday. They also have a, a midweek prayer and fasting services on uh, Wednesdays, as well as the main service, which is the bread for the bite. So they're, um, uh, they evangelize, and they, sh- and they give food, and it's a lot of food on Fridays, and the whole community comes out, and uh, I'd say it's probably over 100 people Unfortunately, our schedule didn't permit us to be there on, on a Friday, which is probably the one day that we should have been down there. Um, but we were told the whole time, like, hey, if you guys think this is cool, you should see it on a Friday. So um, it's uh, about $400 um, that it costs to feed, uh, to feed a, a typical Friday. And they each get, like, a bag of beans, a bag of rice, and they get some uh, a home-cooked meal uh, or a church-cooked meal, I should say. Uh, on a Friday, they show up, they, you know, anything from hot dogs to... Um, you know, burritos or whatever they got, you know, that changes up from time to time. So we can pray for them. And then, um, obviously, for the food provisions. Uh, so they, uh, because they all have a high sugary diet, high carbohydrate diet, uh, there's uh, type 2 diabetes is really big down there. And so uh, they're just trying to give them more nutritious foods, you know, bread. Uh, they're trying to give them proteins, and they're trying to give them, like, fresh fruits and vegetables. So a lot of the community comes out because they want to get fed. All right, um, number two, help through missions. And so I'm going to be, you know, a little bit vague about this uh, because we don't, we don't have plans right now to set up a team to go down there and, and you know, take part um, by sending, you know, missionaries at this point in time. But I would say this much. I would want, want to put it on your hearts for you guys to just know that um, we asked them, we said a few different times in a few different ways, hey, what, what are your needs? And uh, the number one thing that, they said was, we just need people. We want people to come down here. They're like, what about long, you know, they're like, uh, long term. They're like, how about you guys just move your families down here and just kind of hang out with us? And I was like, you know, that's cool. So I'm just saying, like, they really need people. Uh, they really do need people down there. And, um, you know, and even in the short term, they already have connections with uh, missions teams that come down there uh, pretty regularly and have been coming down there for a number of years. And these missions teams, uh, some of them have specialties. Uh, I think one of them is like medical. Uh, some other teams, they come down, they do different other things. Uh, vacation Bible school, you know, you can teach classes. Um, construction is really big. As he mentioned that David, uh, he's, a, he's a former carpenter. And so uh, one of the things that he does in his missionary, uh, in his mission field is, is he'll go and find people that are in need when the church has the funds to be able to uh, permit, and he'll go and uh, kind of remodel or rebuild. Uh, sometimes he builds from scratch, you know, a house or basically a fancy shack so they can live out of the muck and it can be dry and, and just have a nice clean place. He'll put bunks inside for the kids and stuff like that. Um, whereas, you know, we got to go on one job with him where uh, he basically was going to knock down this building and, and build it up from scratch. And uh, th- there's kids. They're, right now they only have, like, one mattress and there's no place for, like, the, you know, the kids to sleep and stuff like that. So... He's going to build that one soon, and, um, and they're going to have bunks for the kids and everything. So 
Uh, if you go down there on a missions you know, trip sometime in the future, those are the types of things that would, um, you would get to participate in. And I put on here uh, people first, mission second, because uh, if it's on your heart, if it, if it ends up, you know, if you end up being called to go down there in, in some form or fashion, then that group of people uh, will see what those giftings are for that particular group of people, and then the mission will be matched to that group of people. So it's not like we're going to be taking a poll, like, hey, who knows medical things or who knows construction things? Um, you know, he said that anybody, any skill set, uh, any age, for you Sun City people out there, um, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. Um, Basically, you know, anybody can be used. And so he said, you know, bring them all down. He said, Seriously, they can use any, any and everybody down there. And on top of that, they really have also a heart. They, wanna, um, they want to also, um, they want to they minister to the people that come down. And so if you go down there, they're going to want to pour into you. And uh, they poured into us. And it was kind of cool because we, we thought we just came down there to deliver a couple of suitcases worth of, you know, items and stuff. And, oh, by the way, we brought all the backpacks down. They loved them. And so, uh, you know, it was pretty filling for him and I to be able to go down there and just have that experience as well. Um, Pastor Dave's a, he's a good guy to talk to, very well-grounded and uh, just uh, f- funny and, uh, and just everything. He, you know, we were talking about everything from the gospel to just life in general the whole entire time we were down there. So, All right, uh, the last way to help would be through financial support. And so if, you don't, if you're not already aware, uh, Calvary Low Country does support them already. And so indirectly, whether you realize it or not, uh, you're supporting them. And so that support, you know, will continue along. And um, as well as if, if you feel the need, if you feel called to, you can support them directly as well. Um, and so they, they got sent out from Calvary Chapel, Santa Barbara. And so you can go onto their website. And I'll, I'll have the website. The next slide has the actual web address, and I'll leave that up there for if, uh, if anybody would like to copy it down. But you can give directly to them. And, uh, you know, they have uh, the west side of the island is very, uh, I guess, westernized. I don't know if that's the right way. It's built up. And so they do pretty much have everything that you, they need. They've got hardware stores. They've got grocery stores. <laughs> Um, and so if they had the funds, they could go down the road and buy what they needed. And so um, sending them you know, financial support is definitely helpful. So just throwing that out there. And then lastly, so this is just a slide with some coordination uh, details on here. So the, the most active digital place that you can find them is on their Facebook page. So go ahead and uh, you know, look them up if you have Facebook, and you can follow them there. And they'll... They provide updates there. They also go live for their services, and so you can actually watch their uh, live services on Sundays. The Bread for the Bite website, uh, this is uh, older, so I don't think that um, there's not a lot of uh, relevant or recent information, I should say, on that. Um, So pay more attention to the Facebook website. And then on the right side of the slide, you see the giving portion. That's the actual web address uh, if you would like to give directly to them. Uh, Digitally, you can go on that link. If you want to give uh, via check, then the address and the details below that uh, are there on this slide. So, uh, that's all we've got. And I'll go back to this um, other slide if you guys want that information later, but that's all we've got. And so we're here to also take some questions. If you guys have some questions, we'll answer them best we can. 
So exactly who all supports them, uh, we don't know exactly, but we, every day at the end of the day, Tyler and I would come back and we would like debrief with each other, like, all right, what did you learn? Or what did you think that they meant, you know, by this or that or whatever? And so I don't know, but it's like a, they have a, a network. I can say that much. They have uh, several different ministries. They, now, they're sent down by Calvary Chapel Santa Barbara, and that is, um, that's the, you know, their primary support system, from what I understand. But they, he's, he's pretty well networked with other churches down there, as well as with other churches in the U.S. And um, I think a lot of it, so I asked kind of how a lot of this came to be. And he said that uh, in some ways, the cruise industry, they come down there, and then people would go to some of the churches on the western side of the island where the cruise ships come in. And then those people would kind of see somewhat of the locals, or they wanted to know more about the locals. And um, his church, his ministry gets plugged by, the, by those western, uh, the churches on the western side. And they'll say, hey, look, if you want to help out a, a local missions team, help these guys out. And so he's had people kind of handed off to him from there. And then, but yet they all come from different churches back in the States. So he's got, you know, it's, I would say, non-denominational, you know, uh, support from all kinds of different churches back in the States. Mr. Harry. Yeah, so it's about, uh, it, it takes about like an hour and a half to drive from the western end of the island to the eastern end. And I believe it's only like 30 miles or so. Is that Yeah, so the west side of the island is, is where the, the cruise ports come in. It's, it's the nice, they got the nice beaches. It's built up. Uh, when you're over there, it almost feels like you're, you're in a, just a beach, another beach town, kind of like Hilton Head. But as you drive, you know, you get further and further and further away from that. You kind of start to see, you know, I'd say the first 30 minutes of the drive, it still looks relatively uh, like just driving around here. But then you go another 30 minutes, and then another 30 minutes. Beyond that, now you're in where it's just, you know, uh, shanty towns. And um, they do have electricity. Um, you know, they don't, um, they don't have running water for the most part. Um, their wells, there's some people have wells, uh, but not most. Only mostly the, the rich people have wells and stuff like that. Um, and so it's just... As you get towards that side of the island, it's undeveloped. But it's kind of weird because they'll be living in a shack. They'll have some electricity, but they'll have like a cell phone at the same time. And so, you know, no, not everybody, but you kind of get the picture. They do. Yeah, we had service the whole entire time that we were out there. And so if you were to go down there, you know, you do have, it's, you'll live in a, in a, you know, a normal place. Uh, we had air conditioning and, um, you know, just a regular, it was like an Airbnb type place that we were living in and had service the whole entire time that we were down there. We had the internet. So, you know, it's not like going to a third world country where you're off the grid. Uh, it's kind of like a hybrid, which, you know, you'll, you'll be there, but then you'll drive 30 minutes into the town and do whatever work and stuff like that. And then the last day that we were there, they took us to the, to the west side of the island and showed us the beaches and all that stuff, and Tyler got a pretty sweet sunburn that day. So, yeah. So David, David Granada, the pastor there, he he tried to teach uh, some of the tr uh, community there different skills like like raising quail or like chickens or something. Some of the people couldn't couldn't understand how to how to actually keep a quail and and like house it and like how many times you have to feed it in a day and like make sure that like they don't die. Um, he's fighting a losing battle there, but 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 they keep trying to. Teach, teach the 
the local people that are afraid. All right. Uh, also, the, the the main language, it is mostly English out there. So that was another thing. You know, we went down there kind of expecting that we were going to have to put our Spanish skills to use. Um, we they would they would go back and forth, but for the most part, the signs are in English, and and most of the people can speak English. Uh, so it wasn't really all that difficult um, from that perspective. What else you guys got? Most of the people on the island, they'll get these five-gallon jugs of water. And, I, Mike, I don't know if that's uh, – if you guys – well, you guys probably had a well, I would assume. But, okay. Most of, the, most of the water that we saw being used, uh, they were getting these five-gallon jugs of purified water that they purified on another part of the island, and then they would just, you know, deliver them out. So I'm sure there was a cost of – final question? Well, thank you guys for sending us down. Uh, it, was, it really was a good time. And uh, – we were really blessed by it, and I don't think that we even expected it. So it was, it was pretty cool. Get up, uh, get up with us after the fact, uh, after this, and you, you guys can ask us more questions if you want. We can tell you a little bit more. Um, also, as Mike Russo, you could tell, uh, Mike, Miss Kay, Jenny, they lived down there before, so they know way more about the island than what we learned in six days. Uh, so go ahead and pick their brains, as, uh, as well as Pastor Mike has been very involved as well so um, yeah so that said we'll close in prayer Father God we love you so much Lord we thank you for giving us an opportunity to just be a part of your work Lord we know that you say that um, if feeding the least of the feeding the least of these you, you fed me and so we just thank you that you give us an opportunity to help each other out in this world Lord there's so many people that have so much less than what we have here, and there are opportunities for us to be able to help our brothers and our sisters out, Lord. They're, they're just as, uh, they have just as much worth in your eyes as much as anybody who's here, Lord. So just uh, please continue to, to use this church. Please continue to use uh, Bread for the Bite. And, Lord, we just lift up uh, that ministry to you and just pray that you would continue to do your good work down there. And... Uh, that we would continue to just pray and support them from up here as well. In Jesus' name, amen.